Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Will will we cause difficulties for our lives if we refuse to listen to God? Uh, Pharaoh was refusing to listen to the message of God. He was refusing to let God's people go. And as a result of that, there's one plague after another plague takes place. And like I said, there's already been eight up to, up to this point. And, and I'm wanting us to ask ourselves, just maybe if we, if we refuse to listen to God, or, or are we going to impose upon our own lives unnecessary difficulties? Now, now, please hear me clearly. I'm not saying if you do everything God says that you'll not have any difficulties. But if we've got difficulties in our lives that come about from following God, uh, God will manage those difficulties. Amen? But we can bring unnecessary difficulties upon our lives just because we turn a deaf ear to what God might be wanting to say to us. And that's what Pharaoh was doing. So they had water turned to blood. They had frogs all over the place. They had uh, uh, the sand turned to gnats. They had flies all over the place. Uh, they, they had um, a, a plague that attacked their wildlife, uh, their wildlife, their livestock, uh, and, uh, and their livestock died, and that impacted their, their wealth. They had a plague that impacted their health when they had boils break out uh, all over them. Uh, they had great storms come with hail and uh, uh, lightning running down to the ground uh, like they had never seen before, and then they had locusts come in and, and cover the land. Uh, and today we're going to talk about darkness. There's a plague of darkness. As I've alluded to several times, it kind of looks like to me, by this point, Pharaoh might should have thought to himself, you know, Moses might know what he's talking about. Maybe I need to listen to what he's saying God had to say, because each and every time it happened exactly like God said, uh, it was going to take place. But instead he does it by degrees. He just keeps saying no, 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 no. And now we find them facing a plague of darkness. Something similar can happen in our lives if if God is speaking to us and we keep saying, no, I don't want to hear it. 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 We can position ourselves to where we're in a place of darkness in our own lives. If we continue just to refuse to hear what God is saying uh, to us. Uh, I, I'm sure you've had some trouble in darkness before. Have you ever stumbled around in the darkness somewhere, you know, in your own, uh, in your own home? Uh, I remember a story of the pastor that married Becky uh, and, and I years ago performed the ceremony. Uh, I, I remember him telling a story when he was preaching one Sunday that uh, he was up walking around in the house at night uh, and his wife had failed to tell him something. Now, you know, I'm old, so this is years ago. They didn't have the self-cleaning ovens. You had to take stuff and spray inside the oven. And uh, most of the time to let the fumes out, you'd leave the door down and then go back through and wipe it out the next day. Well, she was doing that that night, but she had not told Glenn Byrne, that was a pastor that married us, that she was doing it. He found it in the middle of the darkness. You know, with his shins and, and, and falling over the top of it and everything else. So that sounded like that, that would hurt a lot. Uh, I've tripped on things, things that I didn't know someone left laid in the floor, kids and things like that. Uh, you know, you can go out in the, in the woods, especially if you're trying to walk around at night. I, when I have time, I try and hunt some, not really much in a couple of years now, but it's pretty easy to, to stumble when you're out there walking around in the darkness. I've also been in a place before where I experienced what you would call total darkness. Have you ever been into a cavern where they take you down on a tour into the cavern? 
And a lot of times they'll get you down so far into the cavern and they'll tell you, be still, uh, you know, don't try and walk around or anything. We're going to turn all the lights off. And then they'll turn all the lights off and they'll tell you to wave your hand in front of your face. And you can't see your, your, your hand or anything at all because you're in really total darkness. There's no uh, type of ambient light or anything uh, there in, in the middle of the ground. And it kind of freaks you out a little bit because you start thinking, well, do you know, hurry up and turn the lights back on. I don't want to get lost down here. I don't want to fall. The story we're going to read today, they have total darkness pretty much for three days. Can you imagine how you would have felt if you had been in that cavern and they just decided to leave the lights on for three days? How that might would affect you psychologically? How that might would get to you after a few minutes? Well, we've all stumbled in physical darkness. And while we might not like to admit it, we also have stumbled in spiritual darkness. Because we have many times refused to listen to God and we'll find ourselves in a dark place because we wound up refusing to listen to God. So as we read this story today and go through these verses, I want us to ask ourselves this question, am am I tired of stumbling in the dark? Am I tired of stumbling in the dark? Am I tired of stumbling in my life because I... I'm refusing to listen to what God is, is saying to me. We can stumble in the darkness, but we can also, as, as believers, we can have, have light. Because God gives us light. And, and as believers, we need to learn how to, to, to walk in, in the light. We can put ourselves in a place of darkness in this world if we're, if we're refusing to listen to God, if we're refusing to pay attention to what He says, but we can also allow God's Word to be a light for us, and it can dispel the darkness all around us if we'll just allow it to do so. I want us to look at two things today. I want us to kind of look at, at how someone refusing to listen to God's Word, how it can take them to a place of darkness in their life, but how, on the opposite hand, if we will listen to God's Word and try to apply it to our lives, it can be a benefit instead of darkness. It can bring light and guidance uh, in, into our lives. So if you're following along in the updates today, the first point, the first uh, fill in the blank is simply this. There is spiritual darkness in the lives of those who refuse to listen to God. There is spiritual darkness in the lives of those who refuse to listen to God. We see it in this plague in Egypt because Pharaoh kept saying, no, 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 no. Now they find themselves in a place of spiritual darkness. Uh, we're going to jump around some of the verses, not read them just all uh, right together. Uh, but we're going to kind of dissect this as we go through it in just a moment. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven. So here's a new plague on the way because Pharaoh kept saying no. That there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. Now I'll talk about that in, in a second, but just think about that. It's such a, you know, such a darkness that, that, that you can actually kind of feel it. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven and there was pitch darkness, kind of like the total darkness I was talking about earlier, and, and all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. That, that's how dark it was. That's how paralyzed with fear that they were. Jump forward uh, and a little bit, and then we read this. For the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, for he would not let them go. Talking about letting the children of Israel go, the Hebrews go. Then Pharaoh said to him, he's talking to Moses, Get away from me, take care never to see my face again, for on the day you see my face you shall die. 
And we'll talk about that when we get there. But you get this image of Pharaoh being fed up. And he tells Moses, you get out here. If I ever see your face again, if you ever come before my face again, I'm going to kill you. And Moses said, as you say, I will not see your face again. When we look at those verses, I want us to unpack some, some types of spiritual darkness that we can face in our lives also if, if we refuse to listen to God that we can find in this story. And the first one is kind of a physical darkness, a, a darkness of our, of our sight. We can say we're experiencing that. It, it said, the Lord said to stretch your hand out toward heaven that there'd be darkness over the land of Egypt. And when he did, there was pitch darkness all over the land for three days. So their physical sight was literally being impacted where they couldn't see to do anything. We'll discover as we go through the, the passage there how, you know, how terrible that darkness really was. But they were having this literal physical darkness in Egypt affecting their vision. Some Bible scholars believe that it could have been you know, a darkness there, like a heavy mist or whatever. But it could have also maybe been in addition to that, some type of judgment that God placed upon them that brought about blindness during those three days. And, and the reason some Bible scholars believe that, because there are other indications of it. The men in Sodom, if you remember, they wanted to uh, try and take those angels that had come in to Lot. And Lot said, don't do that. Here's my daughters. And, and yet what happened was this. They're, they're smitten with blindness, all the men of Sodom. So they couldn't carry out the deed that they're planning on carrying out. There's another story in the Bible when uh, uh, Elisha. Uh, there's a, a group that came to take him away, to seize him. And they were smitten with darkness to where they could not see him. There are instances in the New Testament when they wanted to grab Jesus then. They got frustrated and angry and didn't like what Jesus was saying. And they wanted to grab Jesus right then. The problem was it wasn't at the right time. God was in control of that when he would be taken. And it said he would walk right through the midst of them as though they couldn't even see him. So potentially there could have been some blindness there. Another reason they say it might have been blindness involved in, in this is because of something that's found in Deuteronomy. The Lord will strike you. And, and by the way, this is Moses speaking to God's people, telling them if, if you're not careful, the same thing that happened to the ones in Egypt can happen to you if you disobey me and don't listen to me. The Lord will strike you with the bulls of Egypt, with the tumors and the scabs and the itch so that you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of mind. You see the word blindness? And you shall grope at noonday as the blind grope in darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways. So whether that is just to be taken spiritually or, or literally, a lot of Bible scholars think there probably was maybe two things taking place. There's this darkness taking place, literal darkness that was over the area, but, but also to explain it being so pitch dark that potentially God had smitten them with some type of blindness. Now, in our lesson, it is simply this. This can picture for us not just a physical darkness, but a spiritual darkness. And if we're not careful, our spiritual sight or our spiritual vision can be darkened when we refuse to listen to God. We're refusing to listen to God can put us in dark places. Just like it did the people in Egypt and Pharaoh after saying, no, 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 no to God. Finally, you see them here in this, in this time of, of darkness taking place. But it wasn't just a darkness of, of their sight. It seemed to be a darkness of senses. Because it was a darkness, the Bible said, that, that could be felt. Now, I believe that was probably something physical. Maybe it's such a heavy, dark mist that they could actually feel it around them. But I think that also gives us a picture of emotional darkness. 
We, we kind of had that uh, portrayed in, in the skit that the youth did because the, 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 the first youth that came out, uh, she came over here and she stood and you can tell she's discouraged and she's depressed and she's despondent. And, and there's this uh, uh, another youth that's representing darkness and evil and kind of like a specter that's behind her uh, and just kind of clouding her day. Uh, I'm not saying this without Mike being here because I said it with Mike here. It's strange to me they chose his daughter to be darkness. Uh, in the in, in the skit, and he enjoyed that. He laughed. You have to know, Mike. He's you know. But, but see that that happens to our lives. If we just cut God off and we don't want to hear what God is saying, not only can you maybe experience a, a, a darkness that that you can can feel with these senses, but a darkness that you feel with your emotional senses, or you've got this guilt that's walking with you and, and, the, and it's kind of overflowing your body and it has a huge negative impact upon our emotions. If we're not very careful, we'll experience that, especially when we keep saying no to God, we can experience such a, a remorse and a guilt that, that we can have this darkness that you can actually feel. It, it was also a darkness of loneliness, a darkness of loneliness that they experienced. Because it said there in verse 23a and then 23c, I'll I'll get to 23b in a few minutes. They did not see one another for three days. That's pretty dark. I mean, I've I've been in my home before when the power goes out, but still I can see where my wife is, you know, or for any of my children there, I can see where, where they're at. But this was a type of darkness that was so dense and so heavy and so thick even if it included or did not include, you know, no one knows exactly for sure, uh, blindness attached to it. But it was such a darkness that they, they couldn't see one another. They couldn't see one another for three days. I, I would submit to you that would grate upon you a little bit, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that get upon your, your psychological state just a little bit if you couldn't see and communicate with another human being even though they're there? And you couldn't see them for three days. It would affect their, their fellowship and their relationship as they're sitting in that darkness for three days. And even though they're, they're there, it could be very lonely. And let's say it was someone there in Egypt that maybe didn't have any family. And they're there in the darkness for three days. And they're afraid to move. They're afraid to get up and walk out to try and see a friend or an acquaintance or anything. Because they're, they're there for three days. Our guilt that comes upon our lives, if we keep saying no to God, if we're living our lives separate from God's will for our life, that guilt can also make us very lonely. You can get so guilty in your life that you really don't want to be around other people. So despondent in your life that you you don't want to be around anyone else. Your refusal to listen to God can make you feel very distant, not just sometimes from people in your relationships, but can make you feel very distant in a relationship with God because you have refused and refused and refused and you refuse to listen to Him. So you're finding yourself in this, in this emotional state of loneliness because you're refusing to listen to God. And regrettably, if someone, not these people in Egypt, but if someone today... If they continue to refuse to listen to God and continue to refuse to listen to God and will not listen to God, they will experience darkness for more than just three days. They can experience darkness for all eternity. It amazes me the concept that people have of eternal judgment in a place called hell. Sometimes people get in their mind, well, yeah, I'm going to hell, but all my friends are going there. We party all the time. We'll just party when we get to hell. I've got news for you. You're not going to be partying in hell. 
Bible describes it as a place of gnashing of teeth, of constant smoke going up, of, of pain and torment. You know, the, even just a mental anguish of, of the fact that you're there separated from God for all eternity. It, it, it's not any place that, that would be fun. It's going to be a very lonely place in hell. Remember the rich man that died? Kind of sounded like he was alone there pretty much. Well, please go tell someone or please bring someone here. There's also a darkness that can affect your daily life that hinders your daily life pictured in this passage of Scripture. Nor did anyone rise, the middle part of verse 23, it should be 23b uh, there, nor, nor did anyone rise from his place and then for three days that I, that I read a moment ago. It, it's so paralyzing, the fears that they're having because of the darkness that's there. See, don't just think about it. Oh, it was just so dark, they can't walk around for three days. It was more than that. There was more taking place that night by by some things that are said in Scripture that, that, that make us believe it wasn't just that they were scared to move, that they were scared to walk. It wasn't like they were in the, the, the depth of a cavern somewhere and the lights got turned down and you're afraid to move or walk until the light comes back on. A lot of theologians feel like they were paralyzing with fear for other reasons that you know, just being there in the darkness for three days could cause a lot of fears, but they believe that they were being afflicted in the darkness maybe by strange sounds or even wild animals or, or snakes hissing or, or even demons there. And here's why they say that. Psalm 78, 49, which by the way, we don't have time to read all of it, but if you read it, the context of it is they're talking about this plague of darkness in Egypt. In Psalm 78, 49, it says, He, talking about God, He cast upon them the fierceness of his wrath, talking about the Egyptians, and indignation and trouble, notice this, by sending evil angels among them. Here's what Jewish rabbis teach. Jewish rabbis teaches a tradition to the Jewish people that that night when this darkness, over those three days rather, when this darkness is settled in, that Satan and his demons were given more space to be active than they normally would have been. And that there was even demonic activity taking place that night. I mean, just to, just to read for you the exact way that, that it's put by the Jewish rabbis, Jewish rabbis teach that the devil and his angels were let loose during these three dreadful days, that they had a wider range and greater liberty than usual for working mischief. They describe these evil spirits going among the wretched people, talking about the Egyptians, glued to their seats as they were with terror, frightening them all, fearful apparitions, piercing their ears with hideous shrieks and groans, driving them almost to madness with the intensity of their fears, making their flesh creep and the hair of their heads stand on end. That's what Jewish rabbis teach to the Jews happened during this plague of darkness. So it sounds like in the darkness, they're not just paralyzed, afraid to move around because it's really dark and they can't see the wall. Man, there's some other stuff taking place that had them totally freaked out to where they were afraid to move. And if we're not careful, we can get there in our lives spiritually. To where we said no to God, no to God, no to God. And we find ourselves in a very dark place emotionally and spiritually. And it can even get to the point that it hinders your daily life. I've been there before. Have you ever been there where you just didn't want to get up the next morning? Have you ever been there where you just as soon cover your head up and forget it was daylight? 
You didn't want to go to work. You didn't want to go see your friends. You didn't want to do anything because you had allowed yourself to get in this dark place in, in your life because of the circumstances that were there. That, that can happen to the best of us trying the best we can sometimes. But for sure, if we're outright saying no to God, no to God, no to God, no to God, it can take someone in, into a place of great depression and despondency to where they don't even want to live their life. There's a darkness of heart that takes place in this story. That's why I jumped forward a few minutes ago when I was first reading the, all the verses that's in this first point to read about Pharaoh. It said, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would, and he would not let them go. Pharaoh still is refusing to let the children of Israel go. Now, if you'll remember, if you've been here all these weeks, if you're not, I'll just kind of reverse it real quick. But, but the Bible, by degrees, I think, shows Pharaoh's heart becoming harder and harder and harder. Because he keeps saying no to what God is saying. No to the message that Moses has given him. And then after so many times of the Bible telling us in these plagues that Pharaoh hardened his heart, it finally comes to the part that it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And that's where we are now. God has given him a hard heart. And so I might think, why in the world would God do that? Well, just maybe here's why. Pharaoh had kind of already proved by his own actions, by his own rejection of what God was saying, by his own refusal to listen to God, he had already kind of proved, I don't want to listen, my heart's hard. I'm not going to pay attention to you. And he did it again and again and again and again and again. And it finally comes to the part, maybe God does this. God looks at Pharaoh and said, all right, you've been hard in your heart. If that's what you want, guess what? I'm going to give it to you. And you have a hard heart. And a scary thing is it might could potentially still happen to us if you keep saying no to God, no to God, no to God, especially if you don't know Christ as your Savior, and you keep rejecting Jesus and saying no, 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 that you might get to the point that God says, if that's what you want, there. I'll let you have it. If that's what you want. We need to take serious a warning from this situation. We need to be careful when it comes to refusing to listen to God because when we do that repeatedly, God may give us what it looks like we're wanting by our actions. And that was a dark heart like Pharaoh had a hard heart. The last part of this dark story, I'm going to move on in just a minute. I know some of you are thinking, man, I got up this morning and I went to church to hear him talk about all this negative stuff, all this darkness it's going to get worse for a minute, then it'll get better. There's also a darkness of judgment pictured here. Then Pharaoh said to him, I I read that a moment ago, this is what he says to to Moses, get away from me. I mean, he said, Moses, I am sick and tired of you. I'm sick and tired of you showing up, telling me what God said. I'm sick and tired of all these plagues. I'm sick and tired of all these situations. Get away from me and leave me alone. Take care that I never see your face again. Don't come bother me again. For on that day that you see my face, you shall die. And Moses said this, as you say, I will not see your face again. I think there's two pictures of, uh, of dark judgment there. One is a literal judgment that Pharaoh uses. 
his reasoning powers. Man, they must have been shocked. I know he's only 22 years old. That might explain some of it. If you remember, that's what they say this particular Pharaoh was about that age at that time. But as I said early in the message, I mean, wake up, Pharaoh. You think by this point, you'd be convinced that God is in authority, that God has power. You think by this point, you listen. But he doesn't. Instead, he makes it worse. It's like he says, I'm tired of hearing from you, God. And that's a bad decision to make. So the picture of him having poor judgment, but then there's a picture of God's judgment and God's condemnation. When Moses replies, as you wish, I'll leave you alone. You're not going to see my face. What if we, what if you keep saying no, 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 no to God? So much so you just kind of get angry about it. God, leave me alone. And what if God were to say, okay, that's what you want. As you wish. I'm done with you. I'm going to leave you alone. And that's a picture of dark judgment taking place. Thank God there's another part of the story. Amen? While spiritual darkness can invade the lives of people who continue to refuse to listen to God, thank God also there's a supernatural light in the lives of those who receive God's word. There's a supernatural light in the lives of those who receive God's word. Look at verse 23b, the second part, and then we'll keep reading through. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. In other words, it's dark everywhere in Egypt, or everyone in Egypt is blind, whichever the case is, but there's darkness there except in Goshen, where God's people lived. I, I, I said this in the first service. I'll repeat it now. I think I could almost read, but all the people of Israel had light where they lived. And I, I think we could almost close the service and go home and thank God for that. Because it's not just the Hebrews that had that light. We have that light today. We have the light of God's word. We have the light of God's presence. We, we have the glory of God today. Then, then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go with you. Now there's a change take place because last week, if you remember, matter of fact, there's degrees in this. He started saying, all right, the men can go, but everyone else, the women and, and the kids stay. Then last week he said, all right, y'all can go, but you have to leave the children here. Moses said, no, that's not what God said. That's not what we're going to do. Now he's saying, go serve the Lord. Pharaoh's saying, go serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. But Moses said, you must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind. For we must take of them to serve the Lord our God. And we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. 
Just like I gave you some pictures about spiritual darkness a moment ago. I want to give you, I think, some great pictures about how we can have God's supernatural light, spiritual light in, in our lives. And it just simply starts out with a statement that we can have it. God's, God's people have God's light to live by. All the people of Israel had light where they lived, darkness everywhere else. But all the people of Israel, all those that were, were, were followers of God who were believing in Him, they were, they were God's people. They had light to live by in, in their spot, where they were at, where they were living. They had light to live by. Having the light of, of God's Word to live by, that, that, that should really, really, really influence our lives, having His light to, to live by. It ought to be a guiding force in our lives. It was dark everywhere else, but not where God's people lived. He provided a supernatural light. And I'll submit to you, it wasn't just kind of the, the light in their homes where they could see it was that. But since they had the light of God's truth, God's Word, and God coming down to deliver them... They also had the light of God, I think, in their heart. A lesson for us might be this. If you've got the light of Jesus Christ in your heart, it shouldn't stay in your heart. It ought to light your home like it lit the home of the Hebrews there. When this plague was taking place, we, we need to share that, that light. Christian homes ought to be beacons of celestial light on this earth. And here's why. God himself is glorious light. God is inherently glory. And and because he is inherently glory, Jesus is inherently glory, then then, then we need to understand the impact of God's light upon our lives. It was God who began by speaking and saying, and by the way, that refers to the Trinity, and Jesus, I think the Bible teaches, was the agent of creation, when Jesus said, let there be what? Light. I'll walk you through some things about that, about light. The first advent, in other words, the incarnation of Jesus, when a baby's born in this world, provided the light of God's glory. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, simply because Jesus was born. The, The very life of Christ, after he's born, he grows up, he's walking around as God in the flesh. The very life of Christ provided God's light. John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. John chapter 8, verse 12 and 13, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus, by being born, brought the glory of God. Jesus, as he walked around, exuded the very glory and the light of God. By trusting in Christ, we're given the light of God's glory. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15 and 18, Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts because of the law. It's using an illustration. Do you remember when Moses came down off the mountain, his face was glowing so much that they said, Oh, we can't stand to look at it. Put a veil there. Well, well people still had a veil over their heart because of, of the law. A veil lies over their hearts. But, but when one turns to the Lord, in other words, when you understand you can't be good enough to save yourself, and you turn to the Lord because of His grace and His mercy, but when one turns to the Lord, when you turn to Jesus, that veil is removed. 
Now, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. They, they couldn't stand to see it uh, before, but now, because of Jesus, we can behold it and be thankful that we can behold the, the glory of God. Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 through 6. And even if our gospel's veiled, you see, it's veiled to some people because they keep saying no, 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 like Pharaoh was saying no, no, no. Then we'll listen to the gospel. Even if our gospel's veiled, it's veiled only to those who are perishing. In, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. You see, people are walking around living their lives in spiritual darkness. To, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of God, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord. We ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake, for God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts. He didn't just say it to create the light that's out of creation. He also says this, he's given light into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of who? Jesus Christ. So through faith in him, we, we have the light of God. God provides his light to light our way in our path in life as believers. A very familiar passage, probably most of you can quote in Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We live in a dark world, people. Have you not noticed that? And it seems to be increasingly getting more and more dark. And it's easy for us to get fed up and discouraged with things. I think, well, man, this election's driving me crazy. Work's driving me crazy. My bills are driving me crazy. Da-da-da-da-da-da. And we start feeling like we're just caught in darkness when we have light. If you're a believer, you can get light. You can get light to guide you. And Second Peter says, and we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which... Uh, you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. If you were lost in that cavern I was talking about earlier and they turned the light out and all of a sudden those lights wouldn't come on and you've been in there just for a little while in the darkness and you see down one of the corridors of that cavern all of a sudden there's a light down that way, what you going to do? You're going to go to it. So we need to pay attention to God's word as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns in the morning star, refer to Jesus, rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of God. In other words, this is not God's, this is not man's word, this is God's word. It was produced by the will of God. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Thank God we can read this and it be God's word and have light to live our lives in a dark world. As we live our lives as believers, we're to be light. It's not just that he, he doesn't give us that light that we read about early in Corinthians just for us to say, well, I've got the light of God in me now. We're not supposed to hide it. We're supposed to be light. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. I recognize it's becoming more and more difficult because of the culture that we live in. And we're living more and more in a time when people want to hear from everybody except Christians. You know, and, and people want to, don't want to hear from, from this religion or that religion, but they, they've decided, especially like all the liberal media and everything's kind of decided that we're just a bunch of bigots 
And uh, we need to be careful we don't give them reason to do that, uh, you know, sometimes in our lives. But it can become increasingly harder and harder, and it may do so until Jesus comes back. I'm not trying to be a naysayer, but I'm just telling you, it's harder and harder to do it. It doesn't matter how hard it is. Jesus said, don't hide your light. Jesus said, be like a light that's set on a hill. He said, don't put a basket over the top of it. And then one day, thank God, this is going to happen. Let's kind of get to the end of the story about this light where we can move on in the message. But Jesus one day is going to provide light forever in the eternal dwelling place of God's people. There's an image of that. It's like a foreshadowing of it or, or a foregleaming of it that takes place here in this story we're looking at in Egypt. It was darkness everywhere except where God's people lived. In their dwellings, they had light. Well, there is coming a day when we'll not be in this dark world. There's coming a day when we as believers will be in the presence of Jesus Christ forever. There's coming a day that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There's coming a day that there's going to be a new Jerusalem. And when that day comes, you'll not need the sun. You'll not need Duke Power. You'll not need anything except Jesus because Jesus is going to be the eternal light of that dwelling place because the Bible tells us in the city, talking about the new city of Jerusalem, has no need of sun or moon to shine on it For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is who? The Lamb, Jesus. The night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever. We got a foregleaming of that in the people of God having light where they lived. And thank God one day we'll have an eternal light that's provided by Jesus. Now that's great stuff, but there's a couple of other quick things, about three things I'm going to cover fast, that we can get from the story of the light shining where the Hebrews were living. The light of God's Word also teaches us this. The light of God's Word teaches us the necessity of a sacrifice the necessity of a sacrifice. I read to you a moment ago when Pharaoh called Moses and said, go ahead, go, serve, take the little ones with you, everybody go. Just leave your flocks and your herds behind. There's a lot more taking place there than you recognize. Physically, had the Jews taken him up on it, Moses said, okay. They would have got so many days out into the desert, in the wilderness, not have their animals for meat or or for milk or sustenance. And they would have died out there without that, other than God providing for them. I'm just talking about logically thinking. This is the way that Pharaoh was thinking. (laughs) Go on, we'll just keep all your possessions. I'm tired of you, just go on, we'll, we'll keep everything else, you just leave it here. The problem with that, though, is this. But Moses said, you also must let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. God had already told Moses, you lead the people out and you're going to go out so many days and you're going to offer sacrifices to me and worship me. So it was indispensable that these sacrifices take place. That was part of God's communication that he had made to Moses. That's what he had, he had told Moses to do. Take all the people out, take all the possessions out, take all the, 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 the livestock with you, and, and go out and, and make sacrifices to me. But see, not just this story, but the whole Bible. 
the whole Word of God teaches us the necessity of a sacrifice. When Adam and Eve first sinned, and they tried to take care of it by their own works, and they were guilty about what they had done, what did they do? They go get some fig leaves and they sewed it together trying to hide their nakedness. God gives us a picture in that of how our own works will never ever cover our spiritual nakedness. Because God kills animals and takes animal skins and and, and makes coverings for them. And by doing so, God is teaching a lesson that because of your sin, a sacrifice had to take place. From there, it invades the rest of the Old Testament. Jump over to the sacrificial system being given by God. And all the sacrifices are pointing and giving us a type and a picture of Jesus Christ who one day will come and be the ultimate once and for all sacrifice. Read in Isaiah and you find that that sacrifice, that lamb he's talking about is now being called a he. It's a person. It's been personified. It's not talking about animals anymore. You jump over into the New Testament and John the Baptist is standing there one day with some of his disciples. And he looks up and he sees Jesus walking by. And here's what John the Baptist says. He gets the attention of his disciples and he says, behold, I want you to look at this. Look over here. Behold, that's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then Jesus went to the cross. at the designated time and shed His blood on the cross to be our only available once and for all forever sacrifice for sin. The Bible teaches you have to have a sacrifice. But Satan wants to use the same ploy that he was using with the children of Israel with the Hebrews. But go on. Be religious. You can take all your family with you. You just go and be as religious as you want to go. But Moses said that won't work because we have to have a sacrifice. You see, Satan has the same thought process today, I think. Satan doesn't mind you being religious. Go to church if you want to. Hey, it's okay. I mean, you know, take, take your wife, take, take, take your children, take your whole family. Go ahead, go to church. Be, be really religious, even legalistically so. Be really religious. Just ignore the fact that you need a sacrifice. And if we try to be really, really religious and fix it ourselves, we're going to be like the children of Israel wandering around in the wilderness because we're going to be in a desert place without any hope and any chance without the sacrifice that Jesus provides. The light of God's Word clearly teaches that we need a sacrifice. God's light also teaches us this, and we've seen it all through this series, because it was part of the message, as I said a moment ago, that God gave to Moses. God's light calls us to take all we have and follow Him and follow God. Verse 26a, our livestock also must go with us, not a hoof. Man, I like the way Moses put that. I mean, he's not mincing words, he's being really clear. He's saying, Pharaoh, that's not going to work. 
God told us to take everything, so we're taking everything, and not a hoof is going to be left behind. The message that God gave was take your families, the men and the women, not just part the way Pharaoh was trying to make a deal. He was always a deal maker. It's okay for you to go and leave the children behind. No, Moses said, we're, we're taking it all. Well, you don't go, but leave the livestock behind. No, he said, every hoof has to go. And that's the same type of radical attitude you and I need to have in our lives. We need to take our families with us and follow God. We need to take our possessions with us and follow God. We need to take all that we are and follow God. We also need to have the light of God's word compelling us once we decide that, once we're going to say, all right, God, we're going. We're, we're taking everything following you. We need to have the light of God's word compel us because that's what it does. God's word, his light compels us that we need to use our lives and our resources to serve the Lord. He went on and said, for we must take of them to serve the Lord our God. Was it just that Moses wanted all the possessions because they had the possessions? Was it he wanted every hoof of all the livestock to go with him just so they could say, man, look how much livestock we have. They're taking it all with them to serve the Lord. And that needs to be our attitude in life. You need to follow God and serve God with your life and with everything that you have. Some of you, if you kept up with me on Facebook, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit worried, a little bit guilty about it and, and everything. Not too bad, but a little bit. Uh, some, some of you keep up with me on Facebook or whatever. Um, you know that I bought a brand new motorcycle this week, and I have never ever owned a brand new motorcycle. I bought some used ones uh, about five years ago. Or so Becky and me were coming back from Charlotte one day, I think, and we stopped down at the Indian dealership, and I walked through and got goo-goo eyes, and I, I told her, I said, that looked like a rolling piece of art, you know, instead of just a motorcycle. And, uh, and so I did that this week and everything, probably spent more than I should have spent and, and, uh, and all, and I know it'd be really easy for someone to think, well, yeah, you could have used that some other way. But I also can maybe use that some other way. You see, that's not my motorcycle, that's God's motorcycle. Your car is not your car, it's God's car. Your home is it's your home, it's God's home. I was riding to church this morning, never had a motorcycle, had a stereo system on it, and it will Bluetooth in my phone and uh, everything, and I had it on some, some contemporary Christian music riding down the road. And uh, I, I know about 7.30 this morning when I was meeting a few people on the road, they probably thought, why is he waving at us? We don't know him. I wasn't. I was worshiping God going down the road. Now, on a motorcycle, you do that with one hand, okay? <laughs> but that needs to be the way we view everything that we own, that it belongs to God, that it is His. I know some of you have that attitude. I've seen some of you that, that open your houses, you know, to people and things, and that have really nice houses. I've heard it verbalized before by some of our members that we view this house as God's house. And we're going to use it that way. That's why we need to view everything about our possessions, that we need to take them and serve God. 
One last lesson we need to learn about this spiritual light, this, this supernatural light stuff we can see in this story. Walking in the light of God's Word also means this. It means we must stay sensitive and open to God's leadership and guidance. We, we have to stay sensitive and open to God's leadership and guidance. Verse 26, the last part of it. Here's the rest of the response that Moses gave to Pharaoh about why he had to take all the, the livestock with him. He said, we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. Now, now get this. God had not given Moses the end of the story. The only thing Moses knew at this time was I'm supposed to go in and I'm supposed to lead God's people out. And then after we get so far out, we're supposed to stop and offer sacrifices and worship God. He didn't have the sacrificial system yet. It was given later. He didn't know what the exact requirements would be. So what he does is respond to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, no, we have to take this with us because we don't know until we get there in that moment in time. We don't know exactly what we'll need to serve God with. You see how he's having to stay sensitive and flexible and waiting for God to give more guidance? That's what we need in our own lives. We can never feel like we've arrived I worry about that even for day three church because God's brought us a long ways from the time we started in an old sign company. But it worries me, it haunts me that somehow me as your pastor will miss something that God is telling us to do. It'd be real easy to get comfortable and think, well, we've got a pretty nice building, we've got a pretty nice crowd showing up and, and become kind of self-satisfied in it and everything. Listen, we can't afford to be satisfied. There's more that God has for this church and more that He has for your life. And there are lost people all around us. We can't just afford to say, all right, well, we'll take some of it with us. We don't really know what it'll be when we get there, but you know, we're satisfied with what we're doing, Pharaoh. All right, we'll agree to that. Let us just have a few sacrifices. We don't know exactly what we need when we get there, but we'll go out and, and, uh, and everything like you say. But that's not what he said. No, we need to take all of it because he's saying we, we don't know what we'll need to do until we get there. D- don't, don't settle in your life. This church doesn't ever need to settle and become comfortable, and neither do you ever need to get to the point in your life that you settle and become comfortable. To, to the point that where you think, well, I, I've read the Bible a lot now. I think I can just put it on a shelf for a few months. Or I've served Jesus a long time right now, and I, 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 I think I'm just going to take a break. There needs to be this driving force behind our lives, folks, to where the Holy Spirit's guiding us. We need to be sensitive to what God is saying. We need to be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Because to be honest with you, where you are now doesn't have anything to say about where God wants you to be in a few days. And you need to be prepared and willing to serve God when He has you here. You need to be sensitive and listening so you can serve God when He has you at this spot, in that spot, in another place in your life, 10 years down the road, 50 years down the road for some of you. Don't ever settle and think it's just enough to come to church on Sunday. Don't ever settle and think where you are is comfortable right now for you and God. Don't settle. We need to stay sensitive and keep chasing after God.
And, and keep pursuing Him and, and not, just, not just settle down. Moses didn't have the full picture. God, I'm thankful He didn't give me the full picture. If God gave you the full picture of everything He'd want you to do and everything you'd face in your life, it'd scare you to death. That's why we have to stay sensitive and listen to Him at this point, in this point, in this point, in this point in our life. So come back to the original answer this morning, the original question that I had this morning. Are you tired of stumbling in the dark? Not talking about stumbling in the darkness of your home or out on the dark walking somewhere. I'm talking about spiritually. Don't you get tired of stumbling spiritually in your life? Especially when it's your fault because you've refused to listen to God. There are a lot of forces out in this world that are saying, follow this light. We have light for you. We have what you need. Follow this light. Follow this light. But the only real true light is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not saying anything about it today till now, but in all these plagues that we've talked about, you remember how in each and every plague, God was judging the false gods of Egypt in some way? He, he does it here too. They, they had some false gods that's involved in this judgment that God's kind of making a show or a sport of them. One, they, they call by different names, either Ra or uh, Amon, Re, and, and Horus. Both were called Egyptian sun gods. Amon Re or, or Ra was the national god of Egypt, but he's also considered to be the divine father of Pharaoh. So they're the gods of the, the sunlight. Problem is, they didn't control the sun, God did. They didn't have any light, they didn't have any spiritual light because there were no gods at all. And God in this plague of darkness is showing how foolish it was to believe in those false gods. Because only God's light that he provides for us is, is true light and, and, and real light. Maybe look at it like this just for a second. That night in Egypt, every place was dark except where God's people lived, where God provided light. So maybe look at it like this. In comparison to God's light, everything else is really darkness. Will you think about that for a moment? Because if we would operate and make our choices in life, our decisions in life as believers like that, all right, God's light is what I need to follow. And in comparison to God's light, everything else is darkness. And it just makes it a lot simpler for our choices if we do that. So are, are you tired? Are you someone here today that's tired of stumbling around in, in your life in the darkness? Because we need to remember that no one else, nothing else can provide the light that we need other than, than Christ in our lives. If you refuse to listen to God, the first part of this message is true. If you refuse to listen to God, then you just might find yourself experiencing spiritual darkness because you keep saying no, 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 no to God. But on the other side of the coin, if you do listen to God and you're applying God's word to your life, 
You can have His supernatural light to guide you in the darkness of this world that we're living in. I want you to look at these two passages here real quick, and then we're going to close. John chapter 3, verse 19 through 21. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world. And people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. That's why people keep saying no to God. That's why people feel like they have to stay away from God. Because if they come toward his light, it exposes who they are. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. Look at this other passage. This message we have heard from him, 1 John, and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship in him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's our only hope, is the blood of Jesus. Are you tired of stumbling in the dark? Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior? Have you walked out of the darkness into His glorious light by saying yes to Jesus? Let's pray. Father, forgive us for the times we place ourselves in in a place of darkness because we have said no to you and no to your will for our lives and no to your word. Lord, I know many times the best we can do we'll still face dark situations. But Father, those aren't the ones that we self-generate and we need to ask your forgiveness for the times we put ourselves in dark places. Father, I recognize today there may be someone here that's wrestling with emotional darkness or loneliness and some of the things we talked about earlier. Maybe they're terrified because of the dark place they are in their lives and they're just afraid to have fellowship with others, afraid to live their life, afraid to move around uh, whatsoever. Father, I pray you'd help them to overcome that darkness in their lives by trusting in Jesus if they've never done so. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for proving it by sending your son to die on the cross. We thank you that you sent light into this world in the form of a baby. And that light lived out the glory of you before this world. And you sent that light to die on a cross for our sins. Father, forgive us when we try to serve you, when we try just to be religious without a sacrifice. Father, I pray today if there's someone here that's been dependent upon their own goodness, their own works, going to church, whatever it might be. If they've been trusting in their religiosity, Father, instead of just trusting in a relationship with Jesus, that you'd give them that relationship with Christ that they need. Satan would be happy for us just to try to serve you without Jesus. And it's impossible. Father, I pray for our church. I pray for us as individuals that you'll keep us sensitive that you'll help us to be willing to listen to you at all stages of our life. That we'd follow your guidance as you lead us forward. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you need Christ as your Savior this morning, or maybe you're dealing with some aspect of the darkness we talked about, and you need to come and pray, or need someone to pray with you, we invite you to come.
Maybe as a believer, you just need to say, God, help keep me sensitive. God, keep me listening. Keep me obedient. Help me to be willing to do whatever it is you want me to do as I'm in that spot, in those places in my life. God, help me never to become satisfied. I invite you to come as you sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.